1: You listen to podcasts. We'd like to thank our listeners. While you get tucked into bed, know that every night, thousands of Snoozecast listeners are tucking in as well, including in India, New Zealand, and the Netherlands. May you all have pleasant dreams. This episode is brought to you by our Patreon supporters and by Parlor Games. Tonight, we'll read the next part of Pride and Prejudice, the 1813 Romantic Novel of Manners, written by Jane Austen, starting with chapter seven. The novel follows Elizabeth Bennet, the dynamic protagonist, who learns about the repercussions of hasty judgments and eventually comes to appreciate the difference between superficial goodness and actual goodness. In the previous episode, the relationships between Jane and Elizabeth Bennett and the Bingley sisters develops as the girls make their formal visits. At a party, Charlotte and Elizabeth discuss Jane. While Elizabeth is pleased by Jane's modesty, Charlotte warns that Jane needs to be more obvious towards Bingley. Meanwhile, Darcy admits to Caroline that he finds Elizabeth attractive, but Elizabeth acts coldly towards him. Let's get cozy. Close your eyes. Relax your body into the softness of your bed. a few deep breaths chapter 7 mr. Bennett's property consisted almost entirely in an estate of 2,000 a year which unfortunately for his daughters was entailed in default of heirs male on a distant relation and their mother's fortune though ample for her situation in life, could but ill supply the deficiency of his. Her father had also been an attorney in Meryton and had left her 4,000 pounds. She had a sister married to a Mr. Phillips who had been a clerk to their father and succeeded him in the business and a brother settled in London in a respectable line of trade. The village of Longbourn was only one mile from Meryton, a most convenient distance for the young ladies, who were usually tempted thither three or four times a week to pay their duty to their aunt and to a milliner's shop just over the way. The two youngest of the family, Catherine and Lydia, were particularly frequent in these attentions. Their minds were more vacant than their sisters. And when nothing better offered, a walk to Meryton was necessary to amuse their morning hours and furnish conversation for the evening. And however bare of news the country in general might be, they always contrived to learn some from their aunt. At present, indeed, they were well supplied both with news and happiness by the recent arrival of a militia regiment in the neighborhood. It was to remain the whole winter and Meryton was the headquarters. Their visits to Mrs. Phillips were now productive of the most interesting intelligence. Every day, added something to their knowledge of the officers names and connections their lodgings were not long a secret and at length they began to know the officers themselves mr phillips visited them all and this opened to his nieces a store of felicity unknown before they could talk of nothing but officers and Mr. Bingley's large fortune, the mention of which gave animation to their mother, was worthless in their eyes when opposed to the regimentals of an ensign. After listening one morning to their effusions on this subject, Mr. Bennett coolly observed, from all that I can collect by your manner of talking, you must be two of the silliest girls in the country. I've suspected it some time, but now I'm convinced. Catherine was disconcerted and made no answer, but Lydia, with perfect indifference, continued to express her admiration of Captain Carter and her hope of seeing him in the course of the day as he was going the next morning to London. I'm astonished, my dear, said Mrs. Bennett, that you should be so ready to think your own children silly. If I wish to think slightingly of anybody's children, it should not be my own, however. If my children are silly, I must hope to always be sensible of it. Yes, but as it happens, they're all of them very clever. This is the only point, I flatter myself, on which we do not agree. I had hoped that our sentiments coincided in every particular, but I must so far differ from you as to think our two youngest daughters uncommonly foolish. My dear Mr. Bennett, you must not expect such girls to have the sense of their father and mother. When they get to our age, I dare say they'll not think about officers any more than we do. I remember the time when I liked a red coat myself very well, and indeed so I do still at my heart, and if a smart young colonel with five or six thousand a year should want one of my girls, I shall not say nay to him and I thought Colonel Forster looked very becoming the other night at Sir William's in his regimentals. Mamma, cried Lydia, my aunt says that Colonel Forster and Captain Carter do not go so often to Miss Watson's as they did when they first came. She sees them now very often standing in Clark's library. Mrs. Bennet was prevented replying by the entrance of the footman with a note for Miss Bennet. It came from Netherfield and the servant waited for an answer. Mrs. Bennet's eyes sparkled with pleasure and she was eagerly calling out while her daughter read, Well, Jane, who's it from? What is it about? What does he say? "'Well, Jane, make haste and tell us. Make haste, my love.' "'It's from Miss Bingley,' said Jane, and then read it aloud. "'My dear friend, if you're not so compassionate as to dine today with Louisa and me, "'we shall be in danger of hating each other for the rest of our lives.' for a whole day's tete-a-tete between two women can never end without a quarrel. Come as soon as you can, on receipt of this. My brother and the gentlemen are to dine with the officers. Yours ever, Caroline Bingley. With the officers, cried Lydia. I wonder my aunt did not tell us of that. Dining out, said Mrs. Bennet that is very unlucky. Can I have the carriage? said Jane. No, my dear, you had better go on horseback, because it seems likely to rain, and then you must stay all night. That would be a good scheme, said Elizabeth, if you were sure that they would not offer to send her home. Oh, but the gentlemen will have Mr. Bingley's chase to go to Meryton, and the Hurst have no horses to theirs. I had much rather go in the coach. But, my dear, your father cannot spare the horses, I'm sure. They are wanted in the farm, Mr. Bennet. Are they not? They are wanted in the farm much oftener than I can get them. But if you have got them today, said Elizabeth, my mother's purpose will be answered. She did at last extort from her father an acknowledgement that the horses were engaged. Jane was therefore obliged to go on horseback and her mother attended her to the door with many cheerful prognostics of a bad day. Her hopes were answered Jane had not been gone long before it rained hard. Her sisters were uneasy for her, but her mother was delighted. The rain continued the whole evening without intermission. Jane certainly could not come back. This was a lucky idea of mine indeed, said Mrs. Bennett more than once, as if the credit of making it rain were all her own. Till the next morning, however, she was not aware of all the felicity of her contrivance. Breakfast was scarcely over when a servant from Netherfield brought the following note for Elizabeth. My dearest Lizzie, I find myself very unwell this morning, which, I suppose, is to be imputed to my getting wet through yesterday. My kind friends will not hear of my returning till I am better. They insist also on my seeing Mr. Jones. Therefore, do not be alarmed if you should hear of his having been to me. And, excepting a sore throat and a headache, there is not much the matter with me, yours, etc. Well, my dear, said Mr. Bennet, when Elizabeth had read the note aloud. If your daughter should have a dangerous fit of illness, if she should die, it would be a comfort to know that it was all in pursuit of Mr. Bingley and under your orders. Oh, I'm not afraid of her dying. People do not die of little trifling colds. She'll be taken care of well. As long as she stays there, it's all very well. I would go and see her if I could have the carriage Elizabeth feeling really anxious was determined to go to her though the carriage was not to be had and as she was no horsewoman walking was her only alternative she declared her resolution how can you be so silly cried her mother As to think of such a thing in all this dirt you will not be fit to be seen when you get there I shall be very fit to see Jane which is all I want is this a hint to me Lizzie? said her father to send for the horses no indeed I do not wish to avoid the walk the distance is nothing when one has a motive only three miles I shall be back before dinner. I admire the activity of your benevolence, observed Mary, but every impulse of feeling should be guided by reason, and in my opinion, exertion should always be in proportion to what is required. We will go as far as Merritton with you, said Catherine and Lydia. Elizabeth accepted their company and the three young ladies set off together. If we make haste, said Lydia as they walked along, perhaps we may see something of Captain Carter before he goes. In Merriton they parted. The two youngest repaired to the lodgings of one of the officer's wives and Elizabeth continued her walk alone, crossing field after field at a quick pace jumping over stiles and springing over puddles with impatient activity and finding herself at last within view of the house with weary ankles, dirty stockings, and a face glowing with the warmth of exercise. She was shown into the breakfast parlor where all but Jane was assembled and where her appearance created a great deal of surprise. That she should have walked three miles so early in the day in such dirty weather, and by herself, was almost incredible to Mrs. Hurst and Miss Bingley, and Elizabeth was convinced that they held her in contempt for it. She was received, however, very politely by them, And in their brother's manners, there was something better than politeness. There was good humor and kindness. Mr. Darcy said very little, and Mr. Hurst said nothing at all. The former was divided between admiration of the brilliancy which exercise had given to her complexion and doubt as to the occasions justifying her company so far alone. The latter was thinking only of his breakfast. Her inquiries after her sister were not very favorably answered. Miss Bennet had slept ill and though up, was very feverish and not well enough to leave her room Elizabeth was glad to be taken to her immediately, and Jane, who had only been withheld by the fear of giving alarm or inconvenience from expressing in her note how much she longed for a visit, was delighted at her entrance. She was not equal, however, to much conversation, and when Miss Bingley left them together, could attempt little, besides expressions of gratitude for the extraordinary kindness she was treated with. Elizabeth silently attended her. When breakfast was over, they were joined by the sisters, and Elizabeth began to like them herself when she saw how much affection and solicitude they showed for Jane. The apothecary came and having examined his patient said, as might be supposed, that she had caught a violent cold and that they must endeavor to get the better of it, advised her to return to bed and promised her some drafts. The advice was followed readily for the feverish symptoms increased and her head ached acutely. Elizabeth, did not quit her room for a moment, nor were the other ladies often absent. The gentlemen being out, they had, in fact, nothing to do elsewhere. When the clock struck three, Elizabeth felt that she must go, and very unwillingly said so. Miss Bingley offered her the carriage, and she only wanted a little pressing to accept it when Jane testified such concern in parting with her that Miss Bingley was obliged to convert the offer of the chase to an invitation to remain at Netherfield for the present. Elizabeth most thankfully consented and a servant was dispatched to Longbourn to acquaint the family with her stay and bring back a supply of clothes. Chapter eight. At five o'clock, the two ladies retired to dress, and at half past six, Elizabeth was summoned to dinner, to the civil inquiries which then poured in, and amongst which she had the pleasure of distinguishing the much superior solicitude of mr bingley's she could not make a very favorable answer jane was by no means better the sisters on hearing this repeated three or four times how much they were grieved how shocking it was to have a bad cold and how excessively they disliked being ill themselves and then thought no more of the matter and their indifference towards Jane, when not immediately before them, restored Elizabeth to the enjoyment of all her former dislike. Their brother, indeed, was the only one of the party whom she could regard with any complacency. His anxiety for Jane was evident and his attentions to herself most pleasing and they prevented her feeling herself so much an intruder as she believed she was considered by the others. She had very little notice from any but him. Miss Bingley was engrossed by Mr. Darcy, her sister scarcely less so. And as for Mr. Hurst, by whom Elizabeth sat, he was an indolent man who lived only to eat, drink, and play at cards, who, when he found her to prefer a plain dish to a ragout, had nothing to say to her. When dinner was over, she returned directly to Jane, and Miss Bingley began abusing her as soon as she was out of the room. Her manners were pronounced to be very bad indeed, a mixture of pride and impertinence. She had no conversation, no style, no beauty. Mrs. Hurst thought the same and added, she has nothing, in short, to recommend her, but being an excellent walker. I shall never forget her appearance this morning. She really almost looked wild. She did indeed, Louisa. I could hardly keep my countenance. Very nonsensical to come at all. Why must she be scampering about the country? Because her sister has a cold? Her hair so untidy, so blousey. Yes, and her petticoat. I hope you saw her petticoat. Six inches deep in mud, I'm absolutely certain. And the gown, which had been let down to hide it, did not do it so. Your picture may be very exact, Louisa, said Bingley, but this was all lost upon me. I thought Miss Elizabeth Bennet looked remarkably well when she came into the room this morning. Her dirty petticoat quite escaped my notice. "'You observed it, Mr. Darcy, I am sure,' said Miss Bingley, "'and I am inclined to think that you would not wish to see your sister make such an exhibition. "'Certainly not. "'To walk three miles, or four miles, or five miles, or whatever it is, "'above her ankles in dirt and alone.' quite alone what could she mean by it it seems to me to show an abominable sort of conceited independence a most country town indifference to decorum it shows an affection for her sister that is very pleasing said bingley i am afraid mr darcy observed miss bingley in a half whisper that this adventure has rather affected your admiration of her fine eyes. Not at all, he replied. They were brightened by the exercise. A short pause followed this speech, and Mrs. Hurst began again. I have an excessive regard for Miss Jane Bennett. She's really a very sweet girl and I wish with all my heart she were well settled. But, with such a father and mother, and such low connections, I'm afraid there's no chance of it. I think I have heard you say that their uncle is an attorney in Meryton. Yes, and they have another, who lives somewhere near Cheapside. That is capital, added her sister. And they both laughed heartily. If they had uncles enough to fill all cheapside, cried Bingley, it would not make them one jot less agreeable. But it must very materially lessen their chance of marrying men of any consideration in the world, replied Darcy. To this speech Bingley made no answer, but his sisters gave it their hearty assent and indulged their mirth for some time at the expense of their dear friend's vulgar relations. With a renewal of tenderness, however, they returned to her room on leaving the dining parlor and sat with her till summoned to coffee. She was still very poorly, and Elizabeth not quit her at all till late in the evening when she had the comfort of seeing her sleep and when it seemed to her rather right than pleasant that she should go downstairs herself on entering the drawing room she found the whole party at Lou, and was immediately invited to join them but suspecting them to be playing high, she declined it, and, making her sister the excuse, said she would amuse herself for the short time she could stay below with a book. Mr. Hurst looked at her with astonishment. Do you prefer reading to cards, said he, that is rather singular Miss Eliza Bennett said Miss Bingley despises cards she's a great reader and has no pleasure in anything else I deserve neither such praise nor such censure cried Elizabeth I'm not a great reader and I have pleasure in many things In nursing your sister, I am sure you have pleasure, said Bingley, and I hope it will be soon increased by seeing her quite well. Elizabeth thanked him from her heart and then walked towards the table where a few books were lying. He immediately offered to fetch her others, all that his library afforded and I wish my collection were larger for your benefit and my own credit but I'm an idle fellow and though I have not many I have more than I ever looked into. Elizabeth assured him that she could suit herself perfectly with those in the room. I'm astonished, said Miss Bingley, that my father should have left so small a collection of books. What a delightful library you have at Pemberley, Mr. Darcy. It ought to be good. He replied, it has been the work of many generations, and then you've added so much to it yourself. You're always buying books. I cannot comprehend the neglect of a family library in such days as these.